Welcome to the Willie Jackson Experiment. I'm your host, the one, the only, Willie Jackson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Time smoking. All right, guys. Um, I got a pretty good show set up for you. Um, one thing that we've been kind of talking about a little bit is these vaccine mandates that uh, President Biden has issued and um i'm thinking there's going to be a lot of lawsuits come out of this i'm not really sure um you know how this is going to go how it's going to play out but um i've heard rumors not sure if they're true so don't beat me up on this i think that the department of regulatory agencies is trying to mandate vaccination to renew a professional license so if they do that, I mean, that is going to be huge. And, and I, I feel the pushback is going to be pretty big. So, um, I don't know. I, I did some research. I'm not just trying to um, make up a bunch of crap and, and spout my opinion. I'm trying to actually give you guys real uh, cold, hard facts. And uh, I, I got a lot of audio put together that, you know, um, I think what's happening is I think they're arguing the wrong thing. You know, I'm not anti-vax. Um, uh, you know, at all. Um, coronavirus showed up one time, tried to get me, and it had to do 14 day quarantine. So, coronavirus don't know want no part of Willie Jackson. But, um, what you're gonna see is that they're constantly arguing that the is the vaccine safe, and you know, da 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 da. Well, if you're doing like a mandate that everyone vaccinates and stuff, it's it just confuses the whole thing. So I don't really feel that it should be mandated by a government agency. I think it should be a personal decision and something people want to um, do on their own. So hope you enjoy this show and uh, i got some good audio for you. Check it out. Oh, I like that. So Nicki Minaj's tweet that pushed a crazy false claim about a cousin's friend's aunt's cousin's father's sister's aunt who experienced some kind of weird side effect from some vaccine. It, the story has gotten even weirder. Giant balls. Her cousin's friend. His testicles became swollen. I want to interview the balls. His testicles stick like that. So here's the point that she's making. His testicles became swollen. Did you have a really good bachelor party? Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend's balls. He has swollen testicles. Orchitis is the term. COVID vaccines do not cause swollen testicles. Are you calling Nicki Minaj a liar? This stuff caused swelling. It was Pfizer. We offered a call with Nicki Minaj. I'll circle back on that one. Swollen testicles. Swollen genitals. Swelling to his genitals. I need you to follow me with this. If Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend is watching, or his former fiance is watching, we want to hear your story. Her cousin's friend. His testicles became swollen. I want to interview the balls. It's not complicated. His testicles became swollen. Did you have a really good bachelor party? Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend's balls. On what 
what's sad about this is that it wasted our time. It's Nicki Minaj's cousin's friends testicles who are sworn for taking the facts. At least they've got Tucker Carlson to defend a black woman. Her cousin's friend. His testicles became swollen. I want to interview the balls. And here's the point that she's making. His testicles became swollen. Did you have a really good bachelor party? Let me get this straight. A person can't speak about questions or thoughts they're having about something that they're gonna have to put in their body. What? Do y'all think that I would go on the internet and lie about being invited to the fucking White House? Oh my goodness. Guess what they're doing right now? If they assassinate me and make me look crazy or stupid, guess what? No one else will ever ask questions again. The Democratic Party jumping at the chance. Well, hmm, we can't make fun of the actual story anymore. Talk about testicles and balls till they drop dead. Her cousin's friend. His testicles became swollen. I want to interview the balls. It's not complicated. His testicles became swollen. Did you have a really good bachelor party? with an Israeli study that had uh, 2.5 million patients and found that the vaccinated group was actually seven times more likely to get infected with COVID than the people who had gotten COVID naturally. Senator, I'd have to get back to you on that one. I'm not familiar with that study. Well, you think you might want to be if you're going to travel the country insulting the uh, millions of Americans, including NBA star Jonathan Isaac, who have had COVID, recovered, look at a study with 2.5 million people and say, well, you know what? It looks like my immunity is as good as a vaccine or not. And in a free country, maybe I ought to be able to make that decision. Instead, you've chosen to travel the country calling people like Jonathan Isaac and others, myself included, flat earthers. We find that very insulting, goes against the science. Are you a doctor or a medical doctor? I've worked uh, over 30 um, years on health so policy. You're, you're not a medical doctor. Do you have a science degree? And yet you travel the country calling people flat earthers who have had COVID, looked at studies of millions of people, and made their own personal decision that their immunity they naturally acquired is sufficient. But you presume somehow to tell over 100 million Americans who have survived COVID that we have no right to determine our own medical care. You alone are on high and you've made these decisions, a lawyer with no scientific background, no medical degree. This is an arrogance coupled with an authoritarianism that is unseemly and un-American. You, sir, are the one ignoring the science. The vast preponderance of scientific studies, dozens and dozens show robust, long-lasting immunity after COVID infection. Even the CDC does not recommend measles vaccine if you have measles immunity, the same was true for smallpox. But you ignore history and science to shame the flat earthers, as you call them. You should be ashamed of yourself and apologize to the American people for being dishonest about naturally acquired immunity. You want more people to choose vaccination? So do I. You want to lessen vaccine hesitancy? So do I. You want to have that happen? Quit lying to people about naturally acquired immunity. Quit lording it over people, acting as if these people are deplorable and unwashed. Try persuasion instead of government cudgels. Try humility instead of arrogance. Try freedom instead of coercion. But most of all, try understanding that there's no more basic medical right than deciding what we inject into our bodies. Today, after hearing that millions of people in a study prove 
show without a doubt that there's a great deal of immunity from getting it naturally? Do you want to apologize to the 100 million Americans who suffered through COVID, survived, have immunity, and yet you want to hold them down and vaccinate them? Do you want to apologize for calling those people flat earthers? Senator, I appreciate your question and appreciate that everyone has their opinion. Uh, we follow the facts and the science at HHS. We use the expertise of the medical professionals, the scientists at uh, HHS to make decisions. Uh, it's a team effort, and we rely on what is on the ground showing us results. Except for the dozens and dozens of studies. In fact, most, if not all, of the studies show robust immunity from getting the disease naturally. The CDC says if you've had measles and have immunity, you don't have to be vaccinated. The same was true of smallpox. You're selectively doing this because you want us to submit to your will. You have no scientific background, no scientific degrees, and yet you aren't really concerned about 100 million Americans who had the disease. You just want to tell us, do as you're told. That's what you're telling us. You want to mandate this on all of us. You're going to tell us if I have 100 employees, you're going to put me out of business with a $700,000 fine if I don't obey what you think is a science. Don't you understand that it's presumptuous for you to be in charge of all the science? Have you ever heard of a second opinion? I can't go to my doctor and ask my doctor's opinion. I mean, this is, is, is incredibly arrogant combined with this authoritarian nature that you think, well, we'll just tell all of America to do what I say and they better or we'll find them or put them in jail or not let them go to school or not let them travel. The science is against you on this. The science is clear. Naturally acquired immunity is as good as a vaccine. The Israel study actually showing it better. This isn't an argument against the vaccine, but it's an argument for letting people make a decision who already have immunity. You're not willing to consider natural immunity? Senator, our team has reviewed every study that's out there on COVID, whether it's from Israel, from the U.S., or wherever else. They have used the facts that have been provided through the uh, rigorous research that's been done to reach conclusions. 660-odd thousand Americans and more have died because of COVID. We're trying to do everything we can to save as many as possible. We're using the facts, we're following the science and following the law. Nobody's arguing the severity of this, but you are completely ignoring the science on natural immunity. So is Fauci, so is the whole group. You're just ignoring it because you want submission. You want everybody just to submit to your will, do as you're told, despite the evidence, the large body of scientific evidence that says naturally acquired immunity does work is an important part of how we're all gonna recover from this. So is the vaccine. But when you add them together, we're at a much different place than if you ignore them. 100 million Americans, by conservative CDC estimates, have had the disease. 200 million or more now have been vaccinated. It's a good thing. Combined together, it's how the disease is. Nobody wants to get the disease. We're not advising anybody to get the disease. But if you're unlucky enough to get it, think of the nurses and doctors and orderlies who all bravely took care of COVID patients. There was no vaccine for a year and a half. They took care of people, risked their lives. They got it, survived. And now people like you are arrogant enough to say, you can no longer work in the hospital because you've already had the disease. We're gonna force you to take a vaccine that the science does not prove is better than naturally acquired. That's an arrogance that should be chastened. With COVID cases surging and deaths now five times higher than just a month ago, President Biden is requiring tens of millions more Americans to get vaccinated. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. And your refusal has cost all of us. This is not about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself 
and those around you. The president is ordering nearly all federal workers and employees of contractors that do business with the federal government get vaccinated within 75 days, eliminating their option to be tested instead of getting shots. Employees who refuse could be punished, even fired. If you want to work with the federal government and do business with us, get vaccinated. While initially reluctant to issue mandates, the president's aggressive new plan requires vaccinations for 17 million health care workers at hospitals and other sites that receive Medicare or Medicaid funding. President Biden's now pressuring private companies, too, directing the Labor Department to require businesses with 100 or more employees ensure their workers are fully vaccinated or provide a negative test each week. A move the White House estimates will impact 80 million Americans. Companies that do not comply could face fines. The White House anticipating lawsuits. We're going to protect vaccinated workers from unvaccinated co-workers. All of it as approval of the president's handling of the virus has dropped since he expressed confidence about the pandemic two months ago. Today, we're closer than ever to declaring our independence from a deadly virus. The president tonight. We're in the tough stretch and it could last for a while. And the TSA is doubling fines for airline passengers who refuse to mask up. If you break the rules, be prepared to pay. And by the way, show some respect. And Peter, the White House wants to make at-home testing more widely available. How do they plan to do it? Yeah, Lester, that's right. President Biden tonight announcing the federal government is teaming up with Walmart, Amazon and Kroger to sell at-home rapid tests at a cheaper price beginning this week. On this Friday morning after the president's speech last night at five, a lot of American businesses are trying to figure out, OK, I've got more than 100 employees. What am I going to do? Am I going to require the, the vaccine? Let's talk to one business guy. Ben Shapiro is the host of The Ben Shapiro Show. He's also the editor emeritus of The Daily Wire. Ben, uh, your company's got over 100 employees. So what are you going to do? Are you going to listen to the president? Everybody, everybody going to roll up their sleeves or are you going to take a different approach? Uh, of course not. We're going to use every method and uh, and resource at our disposal to defy the president's unconstitutional order. And this is coming from somebody who's very pro vaccine. I was vaccinated as soon as possible. I've encouraged yeah. everybody to get the vaccine or pretty much everybody to get the vaccine. And the notion that the federal government has the ability to force every business in America with over 100 employees. By the way, I'm not sure why it's over 100 employees. Theoretically, it should be every business in America Absolutely. because you can get infected anywhere. Right. But it, but every business in America with over 100 employees to either force its employees to vaccinate or force them to test every week or fire them, presumably. Mm -hmm. he, he said he, he came into office saying, I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down the virus. He failed to shut down the virus. So now he's going to shut down the economy and the country, apparently. Well, Ben, uh, they say that he says, Joe Biden, businesses who refuse will be fined $14,000 per violation. Your CEO said that you will you will use legal action to resist in a tweet. Are you prepared for this? Uh, we are. I mean, we are, we are staffing up right now on the legal side. We are already getting any lawsuit ready that needs to be gotten ready. We have to see the actual regulations, know the details of that lawsuit. What we can tell you is that the provisions that Joe Biden is going to be citing under OSHA are wildly overbroad. And frankly, I think that he's made a huge tactical legal blunder here. I think there's every possibility that something like this goes to the Supreme Court level. And suddenly we see a complete rewriting of the administrative state because Joe Biden couldn't get his act in, in order. And so he decided to issue a, a tyrannical and authoritarian order here. Also, you had an interesting tweet, uh, which is getting a lot of news, when you said maybe if he found if we find, we tell Joe Biden that the Taliban isn't vaccinated, he'll get just as mad at them. 
Does it astound you in all seriousness that his anger is, is, look, is, is focused on the unvaccinated in America, as small a percentage as that is, and not on the terrorist regime that has taken over a country and the embarrassment that he's caused uh, our nation? We're not even a year into this presidency, and this is a failed president on every level, and so he's attempting to redirect all of the ire at his presidency right. at your fellow Americans. You're supposed to be angry at your neighbor for unvaccinating if you're vaccinated, even though Joe Biden himself yesterday said that your unvaccinated neighbor effectively poses no threat to you. Instead, right. Joe Biden wants you to be angry at that neighbor as opposed to him. Here's the reality. If you don't like lockdowns, if you don't like mandates, look at the person who's attempting to issue the lockdown and the mandates, the person who's attempting to control American business top down, who's attempting to control every school in America top down. Maybe you should direct your ire at that person, not the person living next door. All right, Ben, uh, best of luck. Uh, we'll see how this goes. And again, we're all vaccinated. You're vaccinated. But finding people demanding and berating unvaccinated is un-American and uh, there's going to be legal action. Ben Shapiro, thanks so much. Well, we are just two days away from the FDA public meeting to consider whether to issue an emergency use authorization for the yeah. Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. As promised today, the FDA released the data that will be used that is very central to that decision. And our Dr. Frank McGeorge has been digging through it. He's back with a closer look at a really important part of this, Doc, and that's the potential side effects that have turned up thus far. Exactly, Kim and Devin. So most of the vaccines we get trigger a few minor side effects from a sore arm to some fatigue or a fever. But Pfizer's data finds the COVID-19 vaccine did trigger some predictable side effects in most participants. And that is something people should definitely be prepared for. The most commonly reported side effect was pain at the injection site, particularly after the second dose of the vaccine. Nearly 78% of those age 18 to 55 reported pain after dose two. 66% of participants over 55 experienced that symptom as well. About half reported the pain was mild. Redness and swelling were similar for both age groups, but they occurred in only about 4 to 7% of participants. In general, participants under 55 had more frequent and more severe side effects, especially after the second dose. In the younger age group after the second dose, 59% reported fatigue, nearly 52% experienced a headache, 37% reported muscle pain, and 35% had chills. Less common symptoms included fever, vomiting, diarrhea, or joint pain. In those over 55, after the second dose, over 50% reported fatigue, 39% suffered a headache, nearly 29% had muscle pain, and nearly 23% reported chills. In all ages, most of the symptoms occurred in the first day or two after receiving the vaccine, and most often lasted about a day. Swollen lymph nodes were also reported more often in people who received the vaccine compared to those who received the placebo. Now, there were four cases of Bell's palsy that occurred in the group that received the vaccine. Bell's palsy is a condition that causes temporary weakness or paralysis of certain muscles in the face. It is not clear that there is a connection to the vaccine, but the FDA will recommend surveillance for that side effect, in particular, if the vaccine is authorized. Now, Frank, this uh, vaccine works very differently from, say, the flu vaccine, so I ask this question advisedly, knowing that they don't work the same way. Uh, but do we have any idea why those side effects come in that first day or two than we would, say, typically see with, say, a flu well shot? 
Yeah, Devin. Well, it's thought to be from an immune inflammatory reaction to both the mRNA, that's the genetic material in the vaccine, mm. as well as the lipid material that's used to get that genetic material into cells. This is, as you mentioned, a very different type of vaccine. So, of course, it's not surprising that we're seeing yeah. different reactions. It would seem to, to be in store with that. All right, Doc. The, the one that comes to mind is the local one. You know, you get a shot, you get some discomfort there, you can get headache, you can get fatigue. Some people get a temperature, which is not unusual. Now with this particular vaccine, you know, after you get the second dose, the side effects tend to be a little bit more severe and people get more body aches. Um, but the key thing is that you should not think you have COVID because you got the vaccine, because that's what people ask. You know, they're like, oh, I got COVID from the vaccine. And we did not mention that this is not a live vaccine. So that's really important to stress that, that this is not a live virus. Great point. That's right. It's not a live vaccine. You cannot get COVID-19 from either of these vaccines. Um, I do want to say one thing. You mentioned the important point to expect these side effects. And they're very similar between Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines. Maybe the Moderna vaccine has a numerically a little bit higher amount of side effects, but I don't even know if it's statistically significant between the two. Uh, you mentioned the common ones. Uh, I think what, what is important is to remember that um, while many people, maybe most people, do have some side effects from both vaccines, they tend to resolve quickly, within one to two days. And that is one way to distinguish something like COVID-19 or another viral illness that you could get coincidentally uh, versus just the side effects from this, which really should go away within 48 hours. And they, most of them occur within 72 hours. Absolutely, but I will make sure we stress the point that if something is going on beyond 72 hours that you need to contact your healthcare provider just to discuss if there's something else going on because things should have resolved, like you said, within 72 hours. Yesterday, I was seeing one of my patients in the pulmonary clinic, and she was asking me about my thoughts about getting the COVID vaccine. She also asked me if I heard about the doctor in Florida who died after getting the first Pfizer vaccination. So this is something I want to talk about. So there was an obstetrician gynecologist in Miami who received the first dose of the Pfizer vaccine on December 18th. And shortly after receiving the vaccine, he reportedly developed acute immune thrombocytopenia. He died 16 days after getting the vaccine. His cause of death being a result of brain hemorrhage or bleeding into the brain. Obviously this is horrible, it's tragic, and you have to feel for his family. But it makes you wonder, was his death a result of the vaccine? And if it was a result of the vaccine, should that change your perspective on getting the vaccine? So I'm gonna tell you my thoughts on this, but first, let's learn a little bit more about what happened. Pfizer is actively investigating the case, but they don't seem to think that the vaccine is the cause of this. So far, over 10 million people in the United States have received at least one shot, of either the Pfizer or the Moderna COVID vaccine. These are the two authorized in the United States as of right now. Me personally, I received both doses of the Pfizer vaccine, which overall went very smoothly. Now, so far, there have been about 40 cases of anaphylaxis as a result of these vaccines, meaning a severe allergic reaction, none of which were reported as being fatal. Now, many people have had other side effects that are very common after the vaccine, like having a sore arm, having some fatigue, headache or fever, uh, and this typically lasts a day or two. 
The Miami-Dade County Medical Examiner's Office is investigating this death as well. And as of right now, there is no official autopsy report. But based off the reports, let's see what we can make of this case. So this man was healthy. He did not smoke. He did not take any medications. Never had any reaction to any medication or vaccines. Supposedly, three days after he gets the first dose of the Pfizer COVID vaccination, he gets tiny reddish spots or petechiae caused by bleeding under the skin of his hands and feet. This prompted him to go to the ER. He gets blood work done and his platelet levels are low. And this is something called thrombocytopenia. Platelets are one of the components of blood clotting. If platelets are too low, it makes people more prone to bleeding. Normal platelet counts range from anywhere from 150,000 to 400,000 or so. People can have spontaneous bleeding, including internal bleeding, but that doesn't typically happen unless the platelet levels are less than 10,000. His, his levels were reportedly zero, and because they're so low or absent, really, he gets admitted to the intensive care unit. For two weeks, doctors tried to get his platelet count higher as he had experts from all over the country involved in his care. Now, presumably, they tried a number of different treatments. Typically, we give platelet transfusions, which is really a blood product that we're transfusing, but also we give steroids, specifically glucocorticoids, such as solumedrol or methylprednisolone. If that doesn't work, we try other drugs like ramaplastin or L-trombopag to try to stimulate the bone marrow to make more platelets. Sometimes we give immunoglobulins, sometimes we give a drug called rituximab, which is a monoclonal antibody. If all else fails, the last resort is to take out the spleen, because sometimes the spleen plays a role in sequestering and destroying platelets. So they were actually planning on doing a splenectomy, meaning removing his spleen, but shortly before that, he ends up developing a hemorrhagic stroke that took his life in a matter of minutes. In other words, he bled into his brain. Now, just because someone bleeds into their brain, it doesn't necessarily mean that they die. But what happens is if the bleeding is severe enough, the pressure starts building up inside the skull. And this is known as raised intracranial pressure. And this compresses the brain and eventually the pressure forces the brain down through the base of the skull, that big hole at the bottom of the skull known as the foramen magnum. When this happens, the only life-saving option is emergent brain surgery where a neurosurgeon does a craniotomy to relieve the intracranial pressure. But his bleeding was so severe and happened so quickly, it took his life. And his thrombocytopenia was not only severe, but it wasn't getting better despite all the treatments that they tried. And this leads to the question, why does a healthy guy all of a sudden get severe thrombocytopenia to the point of bleeding to death? Because no matter what the cause is, this kind of thing is incredibly rare. I've never had a similar case like this in the intensive care unit. Now, there are some cases like this reported with certain drugs. Medications can lead to thrombocytopenia as a result of drug-induced antibodies being made by the immune system that end up attacking the body's platelets. So drug-induced thrombocytopenia it refers to acute immune-mediated thrombocytopenia, and it should be suspected when someone has a sudden severe thrombocytopenia. So DITP, or drug-induced thrombocytopenia, is even more strongly suspected when a patient has repeated episodes of a sudden, severe drop in the platelet count. By far, the most common drugs that cause this are things like quinidine, the blood thinner heparin, and then also sulfonylureas like trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole, aka Bactrim, 
And also there's other antibiotics that are fairly common that cause this as well. So it's not just drugs that can cause this, but also certain foods, herbal remedies, and one vaccine, the MMR vaccine. The risk of ITP occurring within six weeks after getting the MMR vaccination is increased. However, the attributable risk of thrombocytopenia within six weeks after MMR vaccination remains overall low at one in 25,000 vaccinated children. Now, complications or long-term consequences of ITP in this age group are rare. For the majority of children less than six years of age, the illness is self-limiting. Vaccines stimulate the immune system and in theory could, in rare cases, cause it to mistakenly identify some of a patient's own cells as enemy invaders that should be destroyed. But with that said, millions of various vaccinations are given every year and clusters of thrombocytopenia don't occur. And regarding the COVID vaccine, millions of doses have been given and so far, there are no other reports or associations with low platelet counts. So did the Pfizer vaccine cause this? Based on the timing of things, it seems like it, but it's too early to come to a conclusion one way or another. We have to know all the facts and understand the autopsy report, but even then, it's still not a guarantee that we come to a solid conclusion. Although this is an incredibly sad story, and even if it does prove that the vaccine did cause this, I hope people aren't dissuaded from getting the vaccine because this type of thing is still very incredibly rare. Every decision we make in medicine is based on risk versus benefit. And when you compare the risks of COVID and the risks and benefits of the vaccine, the benefits outweigh the risks for the vast majority of people. In fact, there are lots of COVID patients in the intensive care unit that have thrombocytopenia, so that is something else to put in perspective. Knowing more details about this case might help us to better devise treatment plans in case this happens again in other people after they get the vaccine, but I doubt we're going to hear many more cases like this. Anyway, that's all I have for this video. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you in the next one. Less than a year after the coronavirus pandemic took off, vaccines for COVID-19 have begun in the U.S. These vaccines have been deemed safe by the FDA, but you can expect some side effects when you receive the shot. Many people will experience unpleasant flu-like symptoms and muscle aches. This is normal. It means your immune system is working. Many existing vaccines such as the flu shot and the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine also cause similar side effects. Vaccines work by injecting an antigen into the body. Before the COVID vaccine, most antigens used in vaccines were made with viral material. The antigens prompt the immune system to create immune cells. The immune cells then target the antigen. It is this process that releases inflammatory chemicals that can cause fevers and other symptoms in some people. The immune system then remembers how to fight the virus if it is encountered again. The mRNA vaccines for COVID-19 work differently. Instead of using actual viral material, they inject the genetic instructions, called mRNA, that instruct human cells to make the antigen. In the case of SARS-CoV-2, the virus is spike protein. But once the antigen is present, the immune system treats it in the same way it would a vaccine made from viral material. Any side effects would be caused by the inflammatory chemicals produced by the immune cells targeting the antigen. Ultimately, vaccines are authorized because the benefits of being vaccinated far outweigh the short-term side effects they may cause. Vaccines for COVID-19 can finally help end the pandemic that has infected over 17 million people and killed over 300,000 in the U.S. alone.